right, After Shocks TV, Matt and Chris here with another episode for you folks. And today we're talking to one of those bands who's putting out ridiculous Rock is Dead statement to rest. As they have an outstanding new record that just came out that you Stoner Rock fanatics will no doubt love. Joining us today from upstate New York, Stoner Rock Monsters Geezer. We've got guitarist vocalist Pat Harrington with us on this episode. What's going on, Pat, man? Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely, man. Awesome. So, Pat, man, you know, just for the listeners that aren't aware of the band, the first thing they're going to think to themselves when they hear the name, obviously, I know you, you're probably used to this, um, is that they're thinking, wow, we're, we're talking to someone from Geezer Butler's uh, Geezer. So let's clear it up right away for the listeners that don't know the band. This is not Geezer Butler's band, okay? Um, <laughs> <laughs> just to get that out of the way, uh, uh, Pat, you know, just sticking with the name thing real quick. I just had a curiosity, you know, in regards to when you guys, you know, when you first started getting, you know, some some international notoriety. How was that when it came to the name? Did it have did it have a positive effect on the band? Knowing a lot of music fans maybe were checking the band out thinking it was Geezer I, Butler, or was it the opposite? No, I mean, there was a little of both. I mean, look, uh, obviously huge Black Sabbath fans, and when we started mm -hmm. the band, it was a completely different sort of thing. I mean, we were like, you know, I was playing a lot of open-tuning slide blues, and we were a heavy, more of a strict heavy blues band. And right on. the mm -hmm. name came up and i was just we never thought we were going to do anything outside of our town you know so no. um, <laughs> so when it happened we were just like fuck it and and we're just like you know it is what it is we love you know geezer butler and black sabbath and there was a little you know in our mind we were like well his band's really gzr you know mm. there was of course some confusion uh what's that app bands in town i think it was like they connected mm. and so they connected connected us with Geezer Butler's like official okay. whatever. Okay. Uh, they were doing, you know, like you get notifications. Oh, this band is in town, and we were we had a gig in the city or in New York City or something, and Geezer Butler's people had to put out something. No, Geezer's not playing in New York City. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> so um, that was about as close as it's gotten. Okay. And, released you know we're like well at least his people know who we are sure but, you know, yeah also there's also some weird like cover band in florida i think that okay. is called geezer and they actually ripped off our logo they were really? showing like on their facebook cover page they took our logo from our last album cover from groovy <laughs> no way and wow who's who brought it to our attention and he's like dude uh and i'm like well that's kind of weird and you know what i yeah i was like hey guys you know that's somebody's artwork you know like and they were cool enough they took it down but i think it popped up a few months later you know like mm -hmm. these days there's only so much you can do man but it's sure. all you know occasionally you get the guy on facebook who's like gets pissed off and feels like he needs to defend geezer butler somehow like <laughs> oh there's much better than these Fox or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, yeah. I think he's okay. I appreciate the fact that you're concerned about his well-being and his interest. Yeah. <laughs> we're all good here. Yeah. Oh man, that's funny, dude. Well, cool, <laughs> Pat, man. Well, you know, before we talk about the uh, the new record, let's just start you know, stuff talking about what just went down this uh, past weekend. Desert Fest, New York City, 2022. Yeah. What an amazing lineup that was, man. I wish I could have been there myself. So tell us how that went off and how great it was to. You know, play that type of festival lineup, especially here in the States, where normally we don't see that here. Usually, obviously, Europe, of course, but we don't usually see a lineup like that. I mean, how was that? 
Uh, it was absolutely amazing, man. I mean, it's, uh, you know, first of all, hats off to um, the Desert Fest people, Reese and everybody there, um, the staff at the venue, the venue itself, like everything about it was just so well done and professionally done. And everybody was cool. There was no hassles like a big fest like that. You know, when we were obviously one of the smaller bands, but like, you know, they still went out of their way to help you feel like you were a part of it and you know so it was really a great experience and then you know we've been doing shows since last year i guess um but it's all been kind of weird you know and we're playing till we did a lot of stuff just in our hometown or we did some gigs in the city and had some good times for sure but we haven't been in front of a crowd like this in since before the pandemic obviously right so just to get that feeling again was really, really special because, you know, we played on a smaller stage and, you know, the room was filled and everybody in the room was into it, more importantly, you know. And when you get mm-hmm. that kind of energy from the crowd, it just makes everything everything else go away. So mm-hmm. especially considering that we're going on a European tour in a couple of weeks, this was a great way to kind of shake off the rust and to just get back in touch with that, those feelings again because it's been a long time right on sure man yeah no doubt well let's get into the solid new record that you guys uh just released it's yeah. on heavy psych sounds it's titled stone blues machine it's a band six full length uh the best way i could describe this record you know pat it's it's just a fucking cool record man it's it's groovy it's catchy as fuck and these songs just stick in your head the song 11 man is just one of those tracks that you know it's it's like in you all the time once you hear it once it stays with you for a few days i mean and this is much different than your last record groovy which was i know that was put out right after the pandemic that was a great record as well but of course you know it couldn't get as much push due to the lockdown um but in terms of the sound too i mean that record obviously was is more trippy and more you know kind of like you got the style of what the band's been known for over the years where i think you know to me a stone blues machine is just more of the groovy blues, straightforward, hard rock sound, you know, in the vein of like a band, like maybe like a, a clutch or something. I mean, you still have those trippy psych leads and there's, you know, and then of course there's a last track on the album, the diamond rain of Saturn that has that style, but the rest of the music is more straightforward, you know, heavy blues, stoner rock banger, man. So talk about the musical direction on the record and why you, you, you want, you know, pretty much a completely different uh, direction than you did on groovy. Well, you know, groovy was, <laughs> If you know, for lack of a better word, a concept album in that you know okay. the songs didn't tie together in any kind of like lyrical sense, but it was like you know as the songs were being developed, we just decided to focus on the groovier songs that we had, and we we're like, fuck it, let's just do a record that's just that, you know. So it was very mm-hmm. pur- purposeful uh, in its in, in our approach, but at the same time, yeah, that's the way we were writing. And uh, it was definitely a different mindset. So the album comes out in May of 2020, and it did great. But obviously, that was we were still all in the thick of everything at that point. Right. Um, so, you know, and then things here in New York started to loosen up in June. So okay. we started to talk, you know, we got started to get together again right away. Um, and then it was a sense of like, listen, this is going to, who knows what the hell's going to happen, but I just don't want to sit around doing nothing. And then a year, two years later, go out and try and promote this album that we love for sure. But I mean, you, 
what are we going to We couldn't change what was happening. So sure. we adapted. And, you know, a lot of the riffs as far as the musical direction of the album, you know, I had, I had definitely gone through some changes uh, musically from uh, the time that we wrote and recorded uh, Groovy to, you know, uh, obviously this album. But the big change was, again, the lockdowns, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of the riffs that came out and that are kind of the album came from that three months of the beginning of 2020. So I think the angst of the moment, the the unsettled nature of life itself was creeping its way into the music. And that's just how it felt, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the connection to all of that, I think the lyrics ended up following that. So, you know, uh, if, if the last album was kind of our ode to being groovy, this was just like about dealing with the insane life that we, we suddenly all found ourselves in. And this is the way it came out. Sure. Now, now, Pat, Pat, a, as you've moved forward and, and you did this record, it's one thing to let the angst of the time get in. And that makes sense. It's another thing to do what a lot of bands did in the pandemic and then just write an oh, poor me. My life sucks. The world is over record, which you guys did not do. So how did you guys avoid writing a record that would just be, you know, super dark, like cathedral more or less type of doom instead of what you did do which is a lot more jammy and still a lot more fun well again i think it was just you know the way the music came out i mean to me everybody interprets what they do differently to me i was just like i just thought i was writing sabbath riffs you know what I mean? like, <laughs> like in my mind at the time it was like all right maybe i'll just for once just like let myself just you know do what Iomi would do or what I would think, you know, cause you always try and whatever, that's a whole other thing. But anyway, um, so that's how it felt to me. And like I said, so the music came, just kind of came out that way are both Richie and uh, Steve. They're also more prone to interpret things that way too. You know, there are, there are definitely times where I'll come in with a, a riff or a song idea and I think it's going to make a left and they make a right. And the right ends up being the right way to go. So I'm just like, okay, well, that, that's the way it is, you know. And um, and then lyrically, I, I think I just I know enough to stay away from that. Like I never want to be preachy about anything right. because I don't want to, you know, try and put it. I have no idea, and I think I state that over and over again in the in virtually every song as I. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Right. This is how we're dealing with it, where these are the things that are affecting us. And so to me, it's uh, without trying to sound down and the end of the world, because that's, you know, I've also, I've made albums like that and nobody likes them. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Um, And, um, but again, I also didn't want to be preachy and assume that I know the answers to anything because I don't, you know. And so I think, you know, we just got a great review from JJ at the Obelisk and he kind of picked up on the idea. It's just about, you know, I'm not I'm not um, preaching or anything. It's more just like this is the way it is. And hopefully that people will relate to that because we all were going through some crazy shit. And if uh, if, you know 
we we were just all going through crazy shit. So. Right. <laughs> right on. And that's just the way it came out. Right sure. on, man. Well, dude, how and, and this is probably a, a dumb question, but how how do you guys write? Because listening to this record, and for me, I I be honest, I wasn't super aware of the band, so I, I had to go back and listen to the other records. Yeah. And listening to all of it, my first impression is this is one heavy jam band that jams a lot and finds things. But then you're talking now about, you know, that you're actually kind of writing with purpose of songs. So what is it for you guys? Do you, do you kind of do a, do a jam and keep it or keep pieces of it? Or do you have kind of full fleshed out song ideas that you and the guys like really develop, but it comes from a pretty full idea? It's a little of both, and it, okay. it just whatever it is. The band comes, you know, uh, or put aside our first record, starting with Gage. You know, the band was built on the idea of improvisation. Like those songs, we had never even played before. You know, those recordings were spontaneous, and then they were built from the ground up. You know, from a production standpoint, in a lot of ways. With Groovy, and even more so with this record. You know, we had a lot more time and and uh, to actually. And the lineup's different, you know, the band's just different now. So sure. uh, now we're more focused on the songcraft aspect of it while still keeping that openness there. It's very important to me. Like sometimes Richie would be like, dude, so are you going to nail that? You know, what's going on with that solo there? And I'm like, I don't know, figure it out. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> like, let's, keep, let's keep certain areas of the song open. So you can still kind of take advantage of the spontaneity of it. Um, so the first song on the record, Atomic Moronic, that was, I had a couple of riffs, but we had nothing. And we just, that was a song that was built out of jamming together and just working out different ideas um, uh, arrangement wise, you know, and then, right and, and then on the flip side, the last song, Diamond Rain of Saturn, like that just came to me in a in like literally as a i know I, I hate to sound like this but it was just a stream of consciousness thing where i could show you like the original voice memo on my iphone of me playing through that song for the very first time as the riffs kind of just generated sure. of course mm -hmm. it takes me a while to walk, work out each part but that arrangement was how that song came you know right on but again, that doesn't mean I come in with a fully fleshed out idea. I'm like, sometimes I just walk in the room and I'm like, all right, this is going to sound nuts, but you guys just got to indulge me for a minute. And they're very, <laughs> you know, and right. so, again, then I just give them my basic, like, okay, this is where my head is here. And then I never tell anybody what to do. So there's always ownership for okay. everything, whether a yeah. song is generated by a jam or by me with coming with riffs or whatever it is does the music continually change even after it's recorded because obviously once you get out there and start playing it live you get different feels for different parts or different fills or whatever so for you guys does the music change as you start playing it for the next year or so when you're out there touring it Uh, for me, yeah, I would say the short answer is yes. I mean, okay. uh, especially now we're going to Europe, which is going to be the mo most shows that we've done in a stretch in a, an extremely long time. So during now, so it's when you're working up to recording a record, you're very focused on nailing it the way you want it to be on the record or whatever, getting 
the, those arrangements down. But then once that's done, that's when you can start fucking with it. And right. for me, mm. when you're putting a live situation like we're about to go into, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, whatever happens, happens. So I'm going to be taking songs left, right, which way or whatever. And the band, you know, depending on how we're feeling, you know, we'll see how it goes. And we like to keep the sets loose too like we don't have a set we have songs that we know that we're gonna do like our short set but then we have like we just had rehearsal last night we have like four or six other songs that we're gonna be able to just swap in and out and throw things okay. around and and many times live we'll start if we're playing a longer set we'll start with a jam and a spontaneous thing mm. uh, and that usually sets the stage for how the rest of it's going to go. So if that jam will go well, then I'll feel boisterous. And, you know, I'll start jamming later on the set. But if the jam, if we're not connecting, we'll be like, all right, we're just going to play it closer to the vest tonight. Right. We'll mm. see how it all goes. Sure. No doubt. Well, Pat, I saw that, you know, the album uh, was recorded at Applehead Recording in Woodstock, yeah. which is a place I know that's well known for, for bands. Like I know uh, Cohe and Cambria play, they record there all the time. Uh, Rich Robinson from the Black Crows. I mean, he uses that for his projects in bands as well. Um, and I have to say, man, the one thing about the production on this record, man, it's fantastic. I think it's no doubt the best sound you guys have ever gotten on your records. Um, and I, I did see, you know, I was doing some research on Applehead, man. It's, it's just like a little monstrous studio, man. It looks like almost like a, a chapel thing, you know. It's just, it's huge. What is it about that place that makes it so new, unique? to so many and do you think that it, it had really like a big factor on the outcome of the record of how well it came out did you think that had anything to do with it oh my god it was imperative it was everything oh, about man. it <laughs> <You know? laughs> um the studio itself is an old converted barn you know we live in upstate mm. New York, as you said this place is yeah. just outside of woodstock it's 20 minutes from my house and the wonderful thing about living up here is, you know, you have access to some of the most creative, wonderful people, you know, uh, in music and, and, and all the arts, you know. So mm. um, it's one of the benefits of, you know, living in a small place. But here you have this world class studio uh, right, you know, the town next door, the next town over. Now, more importantly, because I spent many years living and recording in New York City and big been in some of the biggest studios in New York City as well. But it's also about who's behind the board. And mm. um, Chris Bittner, whom produced the record with us, is absolutely, uh, you know, 1,000% responsible for how things came out. I mean, we had a vision and we knew going into it, but... He really, you know, I had never met him before. Steve, our drummer, had done work with him in the past. And he was the one that really championed us going there. Because we had, had had this DIY ethos throughout. Um, so this was kind of a, a new thing for us. And frankly, it was the first album that I'm not producing on my own. You know, the band did it together along with Chris. And and uh, he he just, he, he transformed everything. It was an amazing experience. Uh Personally, like I said, I never worked with him before, but we connected like, you know, he just knew, you know, we all had the same frames of reference, you know. So if I'm doing vocal tracks and he's like, oh, I need a little more Diamond Dave on that one. I'm like, oh, OK, I know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and he's like, I love that. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, of course, there's only one Diamond Dave. <laughs> it's those little things that make it, you know, so again, being in a situation like that, he made it easy 
because we both understood each other and understood what we wanted to get out of the record. So it was absolutely amazing. And yes, had everything to do with the the sound of the record coming out the way that it did. I mean, the drums are absolutely huge. And we've never gotten a, a drum sound like that in anything we've done up to this point. And everything else along with it, you know, it was just an amazing experience and, it, you know, worth worth all, all of it because we think the uh, results speak for themselves. Was it comfortable for you to give up some of that control, especially when you've done a few records where you've had your hands on all of it, to, to actually listen to somebody that's, you know, kind of not in the band, that's somebody that you're working with, I'm assuming for the first time, was that comfortable for you to give that up and just be kind of a musician in the room? Yeah. I mean, I love that. I'm not like, I'm the way I do things is not that necessarily. I just, I don't like sitting around waiting for somebody else to do something. So by right. default, I just end up doing shit just because that's, I want to get shit done, you know? Right. And that's mm -hmm. the way it's been with geezer. Like me calling it production is, you know, it's more than just like telling people what to do in the studio. It's making sure you get there in the first place, you know, making sure you have material to work on while you're there, getting the best out of the people you're working with. It's, it's a very big thing. And so to me, it was less about um, the actual, you know, I'm not moving the buttons. I'm a novice at Pro Tools at best. All our albums up to this one, uh, we worked with a great friend, Matthew Cullen, who was brilliant in getting us, you know, the, we made something out of nothing, literally, <laughs> in a lot of times. So um, to me, it's always been about just being collaborative and the, being a producer is more of being a wrangler. Um, so, yeah, giving that up, to me, it wasn't really giving that up. You know, it was just letting people do their thing. So, for example, you know, Chris and Steve, who had worked together before, when they were working on drum sounds, they knew what they wanted, like... I didn't need to interject. I didn't need to say anything. Like they were the ones who were deciding what is that the take? And if not, like, what do we need to do with it? Um, because they had much more, not that I did, they had much more invested in it, but that's probably not the best term to use, but mm. I was not going to contribute to that conversation in any way that they couldn't. So yeah, I, you know, I think everybody just stepped up and did their thing. And that's why, and, and again, the results speak for themselves. Like I'm not, I don't know the answer to everything. I just want to get everybody at the table and then let everybody shine the way they're supposed to. Sure. Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, another thing too, Pabby, I want to think about you guys ever since you released your debut back in 2013 is you, I mean, you guys have just kept the pedal to the metal, man. Six lengths in like nine years, I think. Um, something around that. And that's just crazy. That's a remarkable pace. What really inspires you guys to to write and release so much new music? I mean, do you feel it's important, you know, just as a band to keep the flood of music coming in order just to keep the you know the band's name out there on a consistent basis so you can tour, you know, and all that good stuff? I mean, what's really just what's the method, I guess, to the band's madness of putting out that much music in such a short time span? Well, you know, I mean, if we're being honest, we're not we've never toured a lot. You know, we do what we mm -hmm. can. It's mainly been regional. This is, you know, this second time we've been to Europe, but the last time we were there was five years ago, you know, so we don't spend a lot of time just working stuff out on the road. So this is how we express ourselves, I guess. I mean, for me, it's again, like, I don't, you know, I, if songs are coming, you got to get them like, cause they're coming and they're going and, and I've been in way too many uh, situations, other bands that I've been with in my life where I, 
you're with a band for six years and you put out two records and you're like, what, you know, like we're not getting paid to do this. So what the fuck are we doing? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be creative. This is supposed to be a thing, you know? And mm. so when I got out of that kind of world and, and had the space to actually figure out how to move forward, you know, it was, you know, the, the more the man, you know, like I'm, the, the output that we've had to me has just been a, a pent up decades of not being able to do that uh, okay. in early projects, you know. And again, having access to great engineers, great studios, great people, great musicians, uh, it's really made it so that we could do stuff like that. And also being a somewhat improvisational band has helped that happen as well because mm-hmm. we always spend two years making the perfect, you know, song or whatever. Yeah. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, you know, Pat, the other thing too, a lot of bands, you know, within this genre, the stoner, stoner, you know, doom genre, they, they really, a lot of them these days are just, you know, when we talk to them sometimes, they just tend to reject that stoner label. You know, a lot of them complain that like, they're like, well, I don't even smoke weed, you know, and, and here they are calling it stoner rock. I mean, they just, they dislike having that genre tag to to their band name, that label. But you guys are the total opposite. I mean, you obviously firmly embrace and celebrate, you know, the spirit of this music and and just you know, with lyrically. I mean, you guys just embrace that whole stoner rock thing. I, like I said, not only musically, but obviously with the terminology that comes with it, whether it's song titles, uh, album titles, whether it's lyrics. So I guess just talk a bit about why you know, as a band geezer, you guys choose to embrace the stone rock, you know, label and run with it. And even more so, you know, represented, I should say in your lyrics, you know, rather than trying to distance yourself from it, like a lot of other bands do these days. Well, I think because we're stoners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair That's enough. it right there. That's the answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, and, okay. and I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah. you know, part of us owning it, I think is my reaction because I see that too. Then okay. I think it's so, and so I don't get it. I, I think it's silly, but you know, mm. you know, some people, whatever. The scene has grown exponentially over the last ten years, and that's nothing but good for everybody. It's been amazing to watch. It's been an honor to be a, a part of it in any small way. Because yeah, I was I've been doing this for a long time, and I've been. You know, I've been in the mainstream music world and I've done, you know, some good things and, you know, spent a lot of time not doing things. But, you know, it's always, you know, when you find a scene like this, it is very special. And don't get hung up on names or monikers or whatever the fuck. The the basic point is that you have access to people and a market of people who are who dig what you dig. And want to hear that, you know, those riffs and want to have that vibe, you know, like I grew up on Cheech and Chong movies and, and mm-hmm. shitty horror movies and all that, you know, biker exploitation movies like that shit is rad, dude. Like, right. Yeah. Wizard on a goddamn flyer and tell me where to go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, own, you know, I think it's fun. I mean, seriously. I'm about to turn 50 years old. And I get to run around like a fucking stoner kid, like acting a fool, man. It's great. <laughs> 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 
Agreed. No, you're absolutely right, man. Well, dude, you mentioned that you've been to Europe and you're obviously going back to Europe again. Tell me about the European crowd for this kind of music. Is it stronger than here? Is it less than here? Is, or do they understand it like they do here? Tell, tell me the differences, I guess. Well, the easy answer is yeah. I mean, they, people would say, yeah, the people in Europe, they get it. Uh, you know, they're much more... Um, Stoned? Or excited about it, or they're much more grateful for, right. you know, when you come to their town. Um, because you definitely don't get a whole lot of, you know, New York City arms folded and standing in the back vibes when you're over there. But then <laughs> I would also say, like, in Europe, I think it's just a little more concentrated because then when you see, like, what we saw at Desert Fest this last weekend, you know, that you can get those same vibes here, man. And, and, and we did. And so I don't want to trash the, the American folks, but it's also a different time now, too. I think we're now in a new world where we, we used to take a lot more shit for granted and we don't really do that so much anymore. So, mm. uh, as, as much as I've, you know, that was a great experience at desert fest because I got felt that firsthand from the people there, you know, like I am, I imagine Europe is going to be very much the same kind of experience. Right on, man. Do you think it, especially I'm going to ask you to base this, I guess, solely on desert fest, but do you think that now, and I and I think this, but for the first time, it seems like in this genre, you don't have to be one of the big bands to be appreciated anymore. You don't have to be COC. You don't have to be clutch. It seems like more and more people are looking, people are almost looking for bands that they haven't heard of before, just so that it can almost be like their little secret, more or less, and then they share it with five friends and it's almost like the whole the whole genre is growing grassroots wise. Do you, do you see that or do you feel that? Yeah, and I think that's been going on for you know the better part of the last ten years, and it's and it, it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, again, that's that's an amazing thing to be a part of, and and I think it goes both ways. You know, like some things, yeah, like Desert Fest is, did a great job this year of having a good mix of big big bands and smaller bands. You know, but. Um, you know, I went to the first Psycho Las Vegas and, you know, like oh, Electric Wizard yeah. was playing and Sleep was playing and Acid King was playing. But, you know, I was also buddies with Gozu and they played and Goya and, you know, there were buddies mm -hmm. of mine that were playing there. You know, you don't see that that much anymore with things like Psycho Las Vegas. They still have some smaller bands, but they've kind of gone out into oh. the world now. You know, yeah. like, you know, I, you know, I grew up on Merciful Fate and I, and I love the misfits and dancing and all that but it's not the same right it's right. not a thing anymore and a lot of people that's a great thing mixing more genres that makes that's very european because a lot of european festivals do that sure um, but yeah i think it's a great time because smaller bands can do things like we're doing i mean we're a small band you know and getting to do what we're doing is you know it's it's I've been again. I've been doing this a very long time, and it's these opportunities can be very few and far between. And so, being in a world where you have your own infrastructure and you have a, people right there, and, and they have a vicious appetite for this stuff, you're right. They seek it out. They want to know the next thing. They want to hear that. Right. They want the next riff. It's almost mm -hmm. like a drug, you know. And yeah. I felt that myself. You know, it's kind of 
reinvigorated my love for modern music when I kind of stumbled upon this world. And it was just like, wow, what the fuck? Because mm -hmm. it's not the big bands anymore that you can hear. I'm constantly surprised. There's always a new band that comes out and I'm like, holy shit. You know, I, I had no idea. Um, right. It's well, it's and, and I'll tell you what's crazy, Pat. That's the whole reason we started this podcast was because we got tired of everybody saying, oh, there's nothing good anymore. And the old bands are going to retire and there won't be anything behind it. And we're like, wait a minute. There's a thousand good bands a year coming out. You know, exactly. there's so much. I mean, and you think of like, I don't know, they pop into my head, but you think of a band like Green Lung, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know what they've done in such a short amount of time. And, and, the beauty of that, you know, of what they're doing, besides like they've got an awesome vibe and all that, but like for me anyway, th those are like, you know, I heard the record and it's not even really my thing, but I was just like, wow, this is fucking awesome. And like right. now they're just a band that like the the bigger they get, I'm just like, yeah, man, go for that. You know, that's mm -hmm. so great that a band like you can do that. You know, same Elephant Tree is another one, and yeah. you know. The actually good buddies of mine and to watch them grow the way they have and king buffalo another band that we played with fucking six eight years ago and nobody was nobody you know and right i ran into scott donaldson the drummer this weekend and it was the first time we'd seen each other in years and got to catch up and it was amazing but to see what they've done after sure. knowing them playing in a room with us to 20 people it's it's such a thrill and it's mm -hmm. you know we're not going to get the brass ring there's never going to be the limos and the fucking all the other things that we grew up idolizing that's never going to happen so at the very least you know let's enjoy what we do have and and we're given these great moments and and getting to see all these people do all these great things in a world that is virtually unknown it's it's yeah. beautiful it's right. great Right. Well, mm -hmm. you say nobody's going to get get that brass ring. There was a little band named Metallica once that was told they were never going to get the brass ring as well. So you never know. You never know. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. For sure. <laughs> yeah. No doubt, man. Well, dude, one thing I do know is little band or big band, you guys have gigantic sound on this new release, Stoned Blues Machine. Um, where should we tell people to go to keep up with you, find tour dates, get the record, all that good stuff? uh yeah so the record again is available well when is this podcast going out like a week or two but a week uh, or two so, so it'll be out by then <laughs> already yeah, <laughs> yeah it's available at heavy psych sounds heavy psych sounds.com or heavy psych sounds uh dot .com. they also have a usa shop now uh okay. you can sidestep all the crazy shipping uh costs and everything and that's also it's like HeavyPsychSounds.com slash USA shop, whatever you can find it. Everybody knows how to use Google. Um, yeah, by the time this comes out, we'll be bouncing around Europe. You keep up with us at uh, Instagram at Geezer Town. That's probably where we'll be doing most of the social interacting. And okay, and yeah, and and of course, Geezer Town got Bandcamp.com. Uh, we're gonna have when we get back. We'll be putting more vinyl and probably going to do some bundles and shit like we did for Groovy. And uh, yeah, so just keep an eye out for all that, man. We're going to be uh, busy for the next few months for sure. Very good, man. Well, one more time, Stone Blues Machine. It is Geezer and Pat. Thanks so much for joining us right here on Aftershocks. Thank you, guys, man. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Absolutely. Pat. All right. All right.
When it's time to rock, it's time to tune in to Crash Course Radio. Featuring the very best of the heavier music, from Slayer to Clutch to Fear Factory, it's all in one place, Crash Course Radio. To tune in to Crash Course Radio, simply visit www.cmsradio.net. You can also tune in on the CMS Network app by opening the app, clicking the musical notes at the top right corner, and selecting Crash Course Radio from our stations. All the best heavy music is there, so you should be too. Ditch the commercial radio and make Crash Course Radio your everyday station.